0: Welcome back into another exciting episode of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast, season 9, episode 2. And we are loaded up with five awesome guests for you on this episode. Batting lead off tonight will be Jake Crane. He's the host of Crane and Company, a national sports uh, show Monday through Friday and Jake gives us his scoop on the first week of college Football. Speaking of college football in the two-spot, Kelvin Bolden, the Ole Miss coordinator of recruiting strategy. He's a former Ocean Spring Greyhound, a Bulldog from Mississippi Gulf Coast, and then a Southern Miss Golden Eagle. And now he's an old Miss Rebel. So we get to hear from Kelvin. As Kelvin's second appearance on the podcast, it was good to catch up with Coach Bolden once again. In the three-spot tonight will be head coach of the before mentioned Mississippi Gulf Coast Bulldogs. That's Jack Wright as they get started on Thursday night in community college action. And a cleanup spot and a four spot will be Jason Baker. He will have the task of calling Southern Miss football on ESPN plus on Saturday. And then before that on Friday night, of course he will be covering Popperville football. For the Talking Ball Y'all media group. In the five slot tonight will be Justin Pygett. Justin is the newly named FCA Mississippi State campus director. So we look forward uh, to hearing what Justin's journey has been and how the Lord is using him on the campus there at Mississippi State. Of course, his alma mater. He was a standout pitcher for the Picayune Maroon Tide and their state championship a few years ago and he played in Omaha for the Mississippi State Bulldogs and now he is the FCA Mississippi State campus director. So there's our five guests for tonight. We appreciate you as a listener. We certainly appreciate our sponsors. Sit back and enjoy the episode.
1: Healthy pets, happy people, exceptional medicine, compassionate care. That's our motto at the Animal Health Clinic in Picayune. Located at 500 Kelly Road, we are equipped with the latest veterinary technology and provide a full menu of animal health services, including after hours emergencies. Dr. Alan Smith invites you to join our clinic family by checking out our website at ahcpicayune.com or calling us at 601-799-1300.
0: We are now excited to be joined by Jake Crane. He's the host of Crane & Company, a national sports show, a daily national sports show, Monday through Friday. And so, Jake, is that uh, juice and energy a little bit different this week as we uh, truly get college football underway?
2: Yeah, man, look, it's, uh, if, if you're not ready to go by now, then you'll never be ready. I'm, I'm Pumped. We got to watch some last Saturday, uh, shoot from 11 to 9, 30, 10 o'clock, uh, whenever Vandy really, really started pulling away, depending on what time zone you're in. I mean, I, I was glued to the TV, but, man, we got some great matchups, not only this weekend, but on Thursday and Friday as well. So so it's time to get it kicked off. Uh, it's, it's time to get everybody going. Everybody still thinks they have a chance, so uh, it's a fun time of year.
0: Jake, what, uh, let's give the listeners two or three that are really – kind of on your radar. I know that's a small sample size for the the plate that we have in front of us, but two or three you're really looking forward to diving into this week.
2: Well, you know, I, on Thursday, you got two really good ones. The backyard brawls back, Pittsburgh and West Virginia. JT Daniels going to West Virginia from Georgia. Pitt having to replace Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. I'm interested to see how Slovis does. Uh, At quarterback, there, if he can stay healthy, with you know the, what they return up front on both sides of the ball. Speaking about Pitt, uh, they're going to be interesting to watch in the ACC, and then Saturday, you know, obviously Oregon, Georgia. Is one Dan Lanning leaving Georgia to be the head coach at Oregon? I think that one's going to be a little bit more low scoring. LSU and FSU, man. Uh, Brian Kelly taking over at LSU. Uh, it's a de facto home game, you know, being in New Orleans. there at the Dome. I want to see how organized they are after, you know, just the absolute chaos that ensued when Ed Orgeron was there after the 2019 run that they made with Burrow and company. Uh, and then Notre Dame, Ohio State's another easy one to look at and get, ex- uh, get as uh, excited about. But, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how some of these quarterbacks play uh, that have just won quarterback battles, you know, even though it's Albert's playing Mercer, but T.J. Finley wins a job. I want to see if his clock sped up at all, as much as you can tell, uh, against Mercer. I uh, want to see Will Levis without Wondell Robinson. That's really interesting to me uh, as well. So, no, it's – um it's there's a couple great ones there's always going to be a sneaky one somebody's going to get upset that we didn't see coming and and somebody's going to play really well that we didn't see playing really well
0: jake you brought up lsu as one of the games are are you surprised or is this kind of what you expected um from coach kelly in the way he's been able to recruit in his own backyard What have kind of been your your first thoughts at his short time there at lsu
2: You know, I think he's he's done a good job so far. I mean, look, it it all doesn't matter once once you kick it off in the field. That's going to dictate how everybody else judges you. But I think he's kind of embraced, you know, people were making fun of the accent thing (laughs) and kind of, you know, him being a weird fit. Uh, But, look, you want to know what a great fit is? Winning football Hmm. games. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, from down there, if you like gumbo, if you can't stand gumbo, if you win games – they're going to love you. So I think he's done a good job so far, uh, but we're going to find out, and we're going to find out pretty early.
0: Jake, who's a team or a couple teams that, you know, this thing has is, is kind of gotten monotonous? I love college football, but when you look at the same four to six um, that are in it kind of every year, and maybe you don't feel that way. Let's start that way. Do you kind of have that sentiment, or am I on an island with that?
2: No, I mean, I, I, I'm all for meritocracy, don't get me wrong. And, and I think we have, you know, done a pretty good job of getting the best teams there. But most of the times, the best teams have been the same teams. And, you know, expanding the playoff, I think, will help that a little bit with recruiting parity. It's more exposure, which is, you know, one of the main things, if not the main things, getting kids to school nowadays, especially, you know, the offensive tackles and the defensive ends where you can really uh, win a championship. Look at on the periphery this year. Now I've got it pretty much chalk. I think Oklahoma is intriguing to watch in the Big Twelve. Their big games are at home. Uh, like Dylan Gabriel meeting back up with Jeff Levy. Brent Venables there. Um, you know, as the defensive coach. Uh, now taking over as the head coach, I'm, I'm finding that one pretty interesting. Then Fresno State too. If you look, their schedule is very Cincinnati-ish from last year. Mm-hmm. You return Jake Kaner Jalen Cropper, an uh, offense that was absolutely explosive there uh, last year uh, in the Mountain West. The defense should be good. So I think you're going to get Bama, Ohio State,
0: Georgia, and Clemson. As much as it pains me to say. <laughs> Jake, when you look at of kind of where, I mean, I consider you a football nerd, man. That's why we have you on the show, the way you like to deep dive. How refreshing has it been on your new show, and con- belated congratulations on your new setup and your new show, to be able to expand? I mean, you just went uh, hardcore Fresno State on me from a good Southern boy. And so you've got, you've got the whole country that you can really dive in on. How refreshing has that been for you?
2: I I appreciate the kind of words. It's been great. And I love it. You know, I, I love sports, played in college, coached for nine years, six at division one level. And, you know, I said all the time, if I was a chef for nine years, I'd probably have a pretty good chef show. So uh, it's, it's what I know. It's how I was raised. And, you know, being able to be versatile on both coasts, I mean, from the from the top to the bottom as well. You know, understanding what different teams have and, and nowadays in recruiting with Huddle and easy access to film, you're seeing more teams be able to get good players. You're seeing more good players get found. Uh, so I am looking forward to uh, parity somewhat increasing because football is cyclical. It's just the, the way it goes. Uh, but no, man, it's um, it's been a ton of fun. And we're, you know, like you said, we're live every morning. 7 30 to 9 eastern the show stays on our youtube i challenge everybody to go over there and check it out uh and company and yeah man it's uh it's here
0: jake when you look at uh, i went coast to coast and then we'll come back closer to home um you've mentioned alabama georgia anybody else um that maybe's right on the cusp of, of meeting and matching what they have in the sec and then i'll get a sunbelt Question in as well. Anybody uh, from the SunBet that really jumps out at you?
2: You know, I, I think it's going to be Alabama and Georgia in the SEC. I don't think they lose a regular season game either. One of them, uh, I do have Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC championship game uh, this season. Tennessee is intriguing to me. Brew McCoy being ruled eligible is huge to go on the other side of Cedric Tillman. I uh, to give them some more versatility, not let defenses just hone in on one guy in the pass game, uh, which, you know, diversity is your best strength on the football field, too. I mean, the, the more areas and ways you're able to attack a defense, the more even a defense has to, uh, uh, you know, play you. Also, looking at the Sun Sunbelt, man, i got to go South Alabama, dogs. I'm a modern, Kenny Uh, You know, I, I thought he was a great... Um, uh, a great hire there. I think they have a chance to be a, have a big year. I think Louisiana Lafayette uh, with Billy Napier leaving is going to fall back a little bit. So yeah, let's go Jaguars, baby!
0: I like it. I kind of figured you would go that. You'll appreciate this from your upbringing. Um, we were at the Grand there in Point Clear, and Coach Womack uh, ran into me uh, by the pool, and I was in a little lighter uh, spirit, so to speak, man. It but and that he was so cool to visit with, just a. Uh, uh, just 10 minutes he took out of his time, but he was a blast to visit with.
2: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, his his father was a great coach, too, and a great dude, and I was so happy when he got the South Alabama job. Uh, he deserves it. I'm very interested to see how he does. I, I think he's really going to do well. Mobile's an unbelievable place to not only live but to be able to recruit. There's some pretty good talent walking around uh, the city of Mobile there. So, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, Kane's a great guy, and I'm, and I'm hoping for a lot of success.
0: I'll get you out of here on this one, Jake. When you look at the conference expansions and and what's going on, the health of college football, how do you see it from your eyes and the way that you dive into this stuff from day to day? Like, what's your outlook the next five to ten years kind of on the health of college football?
2: Yeah, you know, well, looking at how much it's changed even in the past couple of years, I mean, Hmm. we've really had a Pangea-style shift with NIL, with the transfer portal, with conference expansion, with geography mattering less and less. Uh, I'm not afraid of change. I I think there's some change that is good. But I don't like the way they've rolled everything out. I mean, they basically built everything. They built a parachute on the way down, which Mm. is never a good way to do it. And then you release everything at once. It's almost like they didn't have a plan. And whenever you don't have a plan, it's going to be hard to stay organized. And it's going to be hard to put guardrails up that make sense. Because once you open up Pandora's box, it's really hard to close. And the thing I hope we don't lose about college football is what separates it from the NFL in my opinion, And it's that more local feel, that more pure feel, you know, because the teams in college football, I, I grew up in, in state Alabama. We didn't have a pro team. It was college. Now you kind of picked, all right, is it Falcons or is it Saints? We were all Braves fans growing up. But these towns like Auburn and Columbia and Gainesville and Tuscaloosa and Knoxville and, and all over the country, these smaller towns, like, they thrive off this. This is, this is you know, it's as local as it possibly gets. And I just hope we don't lose that because that's what makes the game even more beautiful at the college level, in my opinion.
0: I agree. You mentioned the Braves. I said I was getting you out of here. Have the Braves done enough, Jake? When you look at the trade deadline and then back-to-back kind of tough losses here, what's your outlook on them, man, down the stretch run?
2: Oh, I love where we're at. I, I, look, I, I will not question Alex Anthopoulos. I mean, that dude's made more right moves than Patrick Swayze. So, uh, when, when I look at the Braves, where they're at, the Mets are going to fall apart. It's just a matter of time. I know we're we're running low on games, uh, but it's going to be funny when they win a hundred. When they you know win close to hundred games and still have to play in the wild card. Uh, I think Alex has made the moves. We got the Rockies three games set at home. They got to play the Dodgers three games set at home. Let's go grab two of these games and let's make it even. They'll fall apart, believe
0: me. I love it, Jake, man. Keep up the great work. And one more time, Jake, I mean, if you want to give your plug on Twitter and then the show again.
2: All, always, man. Yeah, you can find us, and Company, and Company on YouTube, talking a ton of college football and NFL, dropping bets every day. Had a nice little 15 and 10 weekend this weekend between the uh, the four of us, including uh, Cone's son, baby Cone, who uh, is about nine <laughs> months old. So, yeah, come check us out, man. I appreciate you having me.
0: Thank you, Jay. Ready for faster internet and better service? Of course you are.
2: And that's exactly what you'll get with Coast Connect coast connect gives you blazing speed for faster downloads streaming video gaming or working from home and it's backed by top shelf service from local people you know and trust why wait get the
0: speed you need with the service you deserve sign up today at coastconnect.com coast connect powered by coast electric we're now excited to be joined by kelvin bolden the former ocean spring greyhound Mississippi Gulf Coast Bulldog and Southern Miss Golden Eagle, but now he's an Ole Miss Rebel. Kevin, kind of talk to us about your journey and what you're doing on the staff up at Ole Miss.
3: Well, I'm glad to be on today, and my journey has been a has been an exciting one. Um, you know, from finished playing football in my younger days to you know, getting to coaching, starting at Pearl River Community College and ending up where I'm at now, you know, being at Florida this past year with Dan Mullin, then having the opportunity to go to UCL for two months, then come back to the to come back to the Magnolia State, the home state, which is Mississippi. And it's a great opportunity to be back in the home state, close to my family, my son, you know, and do what I love to do and that's connect with recruits and connect the dots between the coaches and the recruits, you know, building that relationship with those guys and keeping those, keeping the top guys and keeping the top guys home in Mississippi. So my job title here is director of recruiting strategy where I, I just find ways of connecting with the recruits, um, either in Mississippi or outside of Mississippi in our footprint area, um, which is Tennessee, Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia, you know, and, and try to connect with the recruits and whoever their champion is. It could be their father, their mother, their coach, their trainer. I try to build that connection with those guys and try to convince the, the top recruits to come to Ole Miss.
0: Kevin, when you talk about what your job is there and, um, and that piece, how interesting and and I'm going to use the term cool Is it to work with and for a guy like Coach Kiffin. Kind of give us a, a look into what that relationship's like between y'all and the relationship he creates with these kids. Man, Coach
3: Kiffin is fun to work with. You know, he has his own style. He has his own, you know, his own little character. I think he's he's very unique, man. Uh, he he has a lot of confidence about himself, he got a nice little swagger. So, you know, he, he done built on on his coaching career to where he's at now. And, you know, I appreciate him for giving me the opportunity to be here at Ole Miss. Um, but just being around him, you know, he, he's very intelligent, you know, very smart, you know, and he could connect with these kids because you'll see him wearing Jays, um,
0: not more than you though, Kevin. Let's go there, man. He hate to interrupt <laughs> the answer. But what's this? Co- man, I'm a Jays guy, dude. Like I've spent more money and time uh, uh, consuming Jays than, than my wife's especially, but then our audience needs to know. But tell us about your Jays collection, man. How many are we working with?
3: Oh, I just have a few. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know,
3: I just I just have a few in the closet, you know. Oh, you know, man. you just you gotta you gotta have a nice pair of shoes, you know, and um I think that goes a long way as well, you know. But just being around Kiffin, you know, you gotta come with your A game. You know, you gotta <laughs> be on your A game because he'll walk around like on game day with some shoes or something like a designer, a fear of guy, jersey army, sweater, you know. <laughs> I think, I think um, you know, just being here, it's is, is, is been exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to the year, you know. And I, at first, when I first got here, you know, it was kind of distance between me and Coach Kiffin, but I guess he was trying to fill me out and trying to see, you know, how I move and stuff like that, you know. But now, you know, I could go up to him at any time or he'll text me here and there, you know. Um, but he's one thing about Kiffin, he lets you be you until there's a problem, you know. But it's, it's fun to be around him. Um, he's a comfortable guy, you know, and he just – especially with his guys, man. He just let his guys be them and just let them just play football, you know? And that's the best thing about this program. He let everybody be them. Uh, Everything is laid back. Everything's comfortable, but it's all about business as well.
0: Kevin, when you look at your career, your playing days at Ocean Springs, tell me uh, you and DeAndre Brown, y'all overlapped. Y'all played together and then played together at Southern Miss. Is that correct?
3: Yes, DeAndre is, um, is like my little brother. Um, you know, we, I still keep up with him. i seen that he was playing a arena, bo- arena football, you know, still trying to get it, still getting after it. Um, but, yeah, we, we played we played at Ocean Springs. I was a senior. He was a junior. Then we played um, a year at Southern Miss, um, and he went, he entered the draft, and he had an opportunity to be a, um, undrafted free agent with the with the eagles spent time with the eagles and then we played a year of arena football so that was back in 2014 i believe but yeah um so we we don't play it on every level except the nfl together um and, or the cfl um but um i i i think highly of deandre and he's a good he's a good guy
0: and the reason for the question kevin what did you learn from your recruitment and then watching his recruitment that you either you know kind of pattern yourself after or kind of learn man this is not the way that i'm a- i'm gonna do this you know sometimes the best way to learn is to see uh something you don't want to pattern yourself after kind of speak to y'all's recruitment and how you attack your job based on some of that
3: well i didn't have the the measurables that he had so but I really didn't take anything from his recruitment, you know. Um, I always stayed in my lane. I always worried about I, and you know, I was a grinder. I was a worker, you know. I was, um, you know, that's. I think that's what got got me to where I'm in where I'm at now. You know, just being a grinder, just being a worker, you know, and showing value on and off the field. So. You know, I think that took me a long way, and that still' is taking me a long way to where I, what I want to do in life. So you know, I really didn't get much from that from that aspect, but um, you know i I think I was more of an underdog, and I had a chip on my shoulder, and you know, I went to work and I got things done.
0: When you look at that underdog role in that community college or juco role, uh, Kevin, those community colleges in our state, and and you see kids that maybe weren't thought a lot of coming out of high school, but have gone to that stage into that very tough league, and and made a name for themselves. Whether it be year one or two, you kind of got a special place uh, for those type of kids. And are they on your radar with what you're doing now?
3: Man, those kids are definitely on my on my radar. You know, um, you know you. Those kids, you know, when you go get a JUCO kid or a, a junior college kid, you know, you know you gonna get somebody that's that's gonna that's gonna go to war for you because of the fact that what they had a what they had to go through for two years at a junior college. You know, not saying it's the best thing, but or it's the worst thing, but you know, spending two years at junior college, you getting you really getting it out the mud, and you really like the the last option of with you know dealing with the transfer portal and high school kids you know you really have to do some outrageous stuff to really be looked at you know but you know when you get a when you get a junior college kid you know you're going to get somebody that's going to go to war and that's going to do everything that you need to be done that need to be done
0: kevin i'm hoping that uh, this question goes the right way i know you're an old miss guy and you're certainly pulling 100 percent in that direction but i'm going to ask you about the new head coach at southern miss and i'm still staying new. i know he's got a year under his belt but the energy the optimism that coach hall uh brings to his job every day in hattiesburg how refreshing is that to a guy like you a southern miss alum
3: well it's refreshing you know um i think he's doing a good job you know he's headed in the right direction you know um we just got to um, the fans has got to continue to support them and show up the games and support the kids. Most that's the important thing. Just being there for those kids because um a coach can leave at any given time. You know, if it's better opportunity comes up. So you know, I think I think it's just just supporting those kids, man. That's that's going to war each and every each and every day and putting it on the line on Saturdays. You know, I know back when we was playing, you know, even though we was winning. Those fans was there even when we was playing against a, uh, you know, a small school, you know, and that student section was rocking as well, even, though, even when we was playing against, you know, Kansas or SMU or Houston. But when we was, when we was playing against uh, View, they were still there. Mm-hmm. You know, those fans were still there and the student section was still rocking. So, you know, I challenge all the fans and all the Southern Miss fans just to continue to support Coach Hall and con- continue to support those kids.
0: Kelvin, last question, man. I know your time's pressing. I'll get you out of here on this. Give us kind of an outlook of what you expect for Ole Miss here in this twenty twenty two campaign.
3: I think it's going to be an exciting year, man. Um, you know, I think I think we're going. You know, I wasn't here last year, but I kept up with them because I'm a Lane Kiffin fan, you know, and now I get the opportunity to work with him and it's been a blessing and, you know, I think he has some guys in place on the coaching staff like Coach Nix, Coach Blackwell, Coach Joyner, who's on defense and Coach Baker, you know, the call offensive coordinator here. I think, you know, he he has some guys in place and he's going to get this thing rolling, you know, Continue to get this thing rolling in the right direction, and I think we have some guys on this team that's that's gonna you know make make it happen this year for for themselves and for this program.
0: Awesome stuff, Coach. I said one more question. I'm gonna hit you with this you on the doing, way out. Man? Can good you? Uh, no, you always good with me. <laughs> your son, man, is he beating you in one on one yet? I'm watching some of this stuff on Twitter, and this dude is cold. So I'm just wondering, is he beating Pops in a game on one on one? Nah, not yet, man. Um, <laughs>
3: you know, time definitely flies by. You know, he's in the ninth grade now, and you know, and I'm glad I'm I'm able to be back in the Sip and be able to go down there and and watch him or wherever he's at, and just be there for him. And you know, that's that was one of my you know one of my one of my goals and and dreams just to be closer to him and be able to move and 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 just be able to be there for him when he needs me and when, when I need him at times, he, you know, I need him more than he needs me. But, you know, he, he's, he's, he's definitely getting after it. He loves his craft. You know, I, I, I'm kind of sad that he doesn't want to play football right now. Um, basketball is, basketball is his sport, but I never told him, I never, um, I told him I would never force him to do anything he wants to do, Mm. you know, um, that he doesn't want to do. So, you know, maybe one of these days he'll he'll, he'll get back on that grass field and, and run some routes or, or or play DB or something. Because with his skill set, he could do something like that.
0: He definitely could. He's clean on that hardwood, though. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate, you. appreciate your time, man. And it's always good catching up. Continued success to you, man. Yes, yeah, sir. I appreciate you,
3: man. Thank you very much for having me here.
0: Thank you, man.
1: Around here, the tougher things get, the better we are. Because all around Pearl River County, you'll find people working together. Like your two hospitals, Highland Community and Pearl River County, working together with Forest Health to bring you healthcare that's coordinated and complete. We're here for you now, and you know we'll be here tomorrow. Highland Community Hospital, Pearl River County Hospital, and Forest Health. Two great hospitals, one incredible health system.
0: We are now proud to have head coach of the Mississippi Gulf Coast Bulldogs, Jack Wright, joining us. Coach Wright, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Uh,
1: Thanks for having me today. Pleasure to be with you guys.
0: Coach, let's look ahead uh, to what the task is on um, Thursday night and then kind of walk us uh, through the week you've got an awfully long uh, road trip I guess about as far as y'all can go huh coach Right? kind of walk us through what that looks like this week of prep and then uh, your day on Thursday
1: yeah it just adds to the uh, to the rigor of prep you know they're already a high quality football team um, but we have to probably take our longest road trip of the year to open up so you know the typical thing is you got a lot of new players. You got a lot of players that don't know your travel process, that don't know, you know, how what our free game deal process is. So there's just a lot of communication going on. There's a lot of instructions going on. On top of knowing the plays and the game plan, now you have to be able to follow directions, be at certain places, certain times. And it's just it's a lot. It's a lot of it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work on the coaches, but it's also a lot of information the players have to soak in too but it's a five-hour road trip and it's the opposite end of the state so that adds an extra hurdle to to winning the game
0: coach when you talk about new players coming in uh you've if i'm right added two members to the football staff and a strength coach since the last time uh we visit what's kind of the learning curve for for the two guys on the football staff and involved, and uh, how are they working out? Uh, I guess they haven't been with you all that long, but one I know is a former Bulldog. Kind of speak to our listeners about those guys.
1: Yeah, we hired Cabellus Luckett, who's a former linebacker here. He had an incredible two-year career here, and then went on to Middle Tennessee State, and then, I think, in and out of training camp with the Ravens for a year or two. So, you know, he was a great player. Um, He's coming back and helping out with our linebackers. Um, We've also hired Jack Chavis here, who's a former uh, Mississippi College um, Choctaw. He played football for those guys, and he's coaching our tight ends this year. But since I've been here, we've had always, we're going to have two or three young coaches that are just willing and eager to come in and learn. And I'm proud of the fact that we put a lot of responsibility on those new guys, you know, in order to treat them like new guys. We treat them like full-time coaches, and they come in here and stay with us a year or two, and then, they're off to the greener and better pasture. So you know, we've done that with our with our players, with our roster. We've been able to move guys on, and we're also kind of doing it with young coaches too. So one thing I'm really proud of our of our coaching staff doing is taking those guys under their wing and spending some time with them and making them better coaches.
0: Coach, if you would, last time I guess Dave and the guys were over. They visited uh, with you and some of the members of your staff about the recruiting class um, guys you had coming in. Tell us how that's worked out through the fall and, and what newcomers maybe have surprised you and your staff and some guys y'all are looking to lean on uh, from good years last year that are coming back.
1: We've got a good nucleus coming back, um, especially at some of the offensive skill positions. We, you know, we, people don't realize we lost our top two running backs by week four last year. You know? So we, we got really, really thin, really quick at running back. and We've got Cam Thomas back. Um, it was one of the guys that went down, and we got Xavier uh, Evans back from Laurel. Um, they've had really good training camps. We've got a good core of receivers back: John Harris from Petal, um Rico Dorsey from Presbyterian Christian, um, and Cyrus Hartfield from Hattiesburg. So, got a really good core of those guys back. All all those guys I just named played a lot of ball for us last year. So, anytime you have an older group, you know they're going to have to make some plays. Uh, so, we're going to be leaning on them. We've got a couple of old linemen back. Kyle Bruce and Cam Richardson, they both played a good bit last year. So it's good to have some experience there. Um, so we feel like we've got a good, a decent nucleus on offense. You know, defensively, it's really a, a rebuilding project. We, we had 18 of our players on defense last year signed a vision. Wow.
0: That's incredible and, coach. Um, you no,
1: know, we're really, really proud of that. And we're kind of fulfilling our mission as a, as a transfer of college. Um, but that's really, really tough on the coaches <laughs> to now replace all of those guys. We had six backups, signed D1. Wow. And so um, that just makes it really, really hard. You know, that's, that's kind of the, what we've done here is we've really put our players' interests first and tried to get them in, get them trained up, and get them out of here. So hopefully that will pay off for us in recruiting, you know, for those kids that want to take that path. Uh, but it does make it very, very difficult for us to, to be able to replace that number of good players every year.
0: Coach, let's go to the signal caller, the quarterback position. How do you look there? And and in y'all style of offense, kinda how much do you put on that quarterback position pre snap to to get you into the right play?
1: Yeah, we put a lot on the quarterback. I think that's um that's kind of what the nature of football is becoming. The- on the field the game is becoming the quarterback versus the defensive coordinator and so you have to train those guys up as an offensive staff throughout the week you know, versus different looks and how to adjust and you may not change a play or anything but they have to know you know what option b is after the ball snapped or option c or option d even so um just because you're talking about changing plays or adjusting that doesn't mean you're that all 11 people are having to adjust sometimes that means just the quarterbacks having to adjust you know, so um, we've got two two guys in. Both of them were at Division One schools last year. One's name is is Pat McQuaid. Um, he's from the Cleveland, Ohio area. Um, played at Kent State, redshirted there last year. And we have uh, Asher Morgan in here from originally from Philadelphia, Mississippi. He signed at Sanford University, um, redshirted there. Never really got a lot of game action. He's transferred here with us and. Man, I'm really, really happy with both of them. You talk about a couple of great kids to work with every day, Man, day. They're very, very smart, football intelligent. They both deserve to play. Um, so really excited to see kind of where this year takes us at that position.
0: Coach, when you mention a couple of guys like that that have spent time in, in a Division I uh, type setting and a program, how much does it help them to be used to the workload? I don't think, you know, a common student athlete on the high school level uh, exactly understands what um, guys like you and across the state are going to ask from them when they get there how How good is that from a responsibility level that they kind of know, okay, I know that uh, football is going to be a pretty much full time job
1: Yeah, I think the the big thing that people miss, you know especially a lot of these players, you know everybody that we recruit wants to come here and be able to move on somewhere else well that requires a certain number of, you know, credit hours to be passed. And there's a certain level, you know, there's a high level of football that has to be played. And so, you know, like for for example, this summer we would work out and lift weights and run in the, in the mornings. And I had guys taking classes all the way up until 1030 at night sometimes. Hmm. So that's going on four days per week, you no know, Monday through Thursday. Then you turn around and get to training camps. You've got meetings all day walkthroughs and in practice at night sometimes. And so um, people, to be good, to really move on to a Division One school and kind of be the kind of student athlete that you want to be, it is a huge time commitment. Um, and it's not just time, it's rigor too. I mean, there's some serious time that's got to be spent on getting papers done and assignments on the computer and and then also turning around and being prepared to play, you know, at, at this level. It, it's, a, it's a serious time commitment. The demands are high. I'm proud of our program. Um, you know, we, we really try to run this thing like a Division One school and have our guys ready to go. There's a certain there's a certain process that we believe in to get guys ready, classroom wise and on the field. So, um, our message in recruiting is, you know, don't come here if you're not willing to put in the work. You know, we've got a really strong tradition of moving guys on. We know what that process takes, and and we're gonna um, push you and demand you to to kind of do what the guys before you have done.
0: Coach Wright, in a couple weeks or two or three weeks, you'll be showcased on ESPN+. Plus. How exciting is that for the program and uh, for the players? I, I know that you'll certainly be focused on, on getting the win, but that type of exposure for what I really believe is going to be a great product for streaming or for TV, this, uh, this community college league and the level of football uh, that's played, how exciting is that Uh, for the youngsters to be able to go and get showcased there
1: yeah i'm really excited for the players i know how much time and energy and effort you know they put into this and for them to get that kind of exposure is a great reward i think i think both teams will play really really hard that night just think about you know most of our young men are probably going to make probably 50 to 100 phone calls that week telling people (laughs) that playing on you know live stream and all the people that have supported them all the way up through elementary school and and junior high and high school, their family, you know, there'll be a lot of communication, a lot of excitement built up around that. It doesn't really affect anything once the balls kick, but I think it'll be an exciting week outside of the game, you know. And I'm just from a personal standpoint, you know, any time that we don't play a game or like we have a Saturday game, i always watch the live streams. I really enjoy watching this league. I think it's a very entertaining product, like you said. So I think more and more people need to be exposed to that and kind of see, you know, what we're doing down here in Mississippi.
0: Coach, I'll get you out of here on this. I know time is precious. When, when you look at expectations, what does that kind of look like in, inside of your program? I know uh, the coach speak is from week to week, go 1-0, and but what kind of goals or expectations do y'all set there before the first uh, snap of your first regular season game?
1: Well, you know, the expectations here are to win every game. I mean, that, that's pretty simple. Um, I don't know how else to say it. That's been the expectation here uh, for four years now going on five. And um, if we don't win one, we try to win the next one. You know, If we win one, we try to win the next one. And so um, winning every game, ultimately, we know what that kind of results in at the end of the year. But the expectations at Mississippi Gulf Coast are high, and I don't ever want to see those lowered for any reason. So um, as long as we're here, we want the expectations high, and we want to try to meet those.
0: Coach Wright, I always appreciate your time, man. Good luck with that long road trip and uh, look forward to watching y'all stream here in a few weeks. Thank you, Coach.
4: Thank you very
1: much for having us.
0: With fall and cooler weather just around the corner,
1: there's no better time to head out to Brothers in Arms, its Hattiesburg's premier outdoor
5: gun range. It is located at 4657 Highway 49 South. Whether you're a new shooter or an experienced one, all are invited to shoot on the safe
1: and family-oriented range. Go check them out and inquire about their annual memberships, hourly rates, as well as their training classes they offer. Once again, that's Brothers in Arms Outdoor Range at 4657 Highway 49 South in Hattiesburg. And remember, always keep your sights pointed downrange.
0: It's always a kick to visit with Jason Baker, and that's who we have for you now as he preps to be. The play-by-play voice on the ESPN Plus broadcast of Liberty at Southern Miss on Saturday night. JB, welcome in.
4: Ah, oh, Clay, thank you so much uh, for being a part of, uh, letting me be a part of this podcast, and uh, always fun when we're when we're talking a little Southern Miss football.
0: Absolutely, let's go to it, uh, JB. I mean, I know you're pulling as a broadcaster for close games and good storylines, so. Give us a couple of the storylines coming into this one that kind of wet your appetite.
4: Well, I think, you know, there, I think there's a lot of intrigue in the Liberty quarterback situation. Um, Charlie Brewer, a transfer out um, of Utah, he was once the Baylor Bears quarterback. Matter of fact, he's a top three all time Baylor Bears quarterback by terms of statistics and. Uh really and truly really, you can do it by win totals as well in the way in which he won as a Baylor Bear, was in the Big Twelve Championship game, uh at one point, was actually knocked out of that game late um in that game against Oklahoma. And so he's he's an intriguing storyline from the Liberty side. Um, obviously too, Hugh Preese being their head coach, returning to his alma mater, has got a little uh um appetite to it people I think will enjoy tuning in to to see the progress that he's made with Liberty football in the short amount of time that he's been there and then on the Southern Miss side like you know what improvements will Will Hall's club make this year um you know what what steps will they make you know obviously it was a carousel of quarterbacks a year ago what will the development of Keys be like will the offensive line play be a little better um you know, those are sort of the question mark storylines going in. And then I think it's a, a defense for the black and gold that, in my opinion, um, may be one of the more surprised units in the Sun Belt. Um, I think it was kind of the misnomer from a year ago that that defense wasn't wasn't very good. And that's completely false. They were just on the field for so long. And I think that defense has uh, has the potential
0: um, to be really good statistically within the Sun Belt. Bake, I'm gonna ask you to kind of uh, give us a little bit more on one of your um, one of your storylines. There, you're a guy who's certainly dedicated uh, to his craft, tries to get around the team and practice as much as you can. Uh, the keys, development, and then the offensive line play. If I were to press you, which I guess I kind of am, what do you expect? Like, what have your eyes kind of told you at practice as you prep? For this broadcast, what do you think that will look like?
3: So, I think you will
4: see growth and development from both units. I really do. How much I think really depends on each other. Um, I think it's sort of a hand in hand situation. Um, I, I believe in Tykees. Keys, I, I like what I see from Ty Keys, um, but I think what I like and what I see from Ty Keys. Really comes when the offensive line's playing well, Clay, in practice. And so I think they've got to protect him. They've got to give him these opportunities to make some plays. You know, he can't be back there running for his life and, um, you know, one, one read and go. Like it, they, he needs that time. And, um, as most young quarterbacks do, he's, he's not, um, exempt from this unlike any other redshirted freshman quarterback in the country, right? So these guys, they, they need, that offensive line to play well. And then I think too, on the offensive line standpoint, one of the guys that can help them perform well is Ty Key by reading the defense and, and recognizing where his hot routes are and recognizing where those check down guys are. And, you know, I think he's got a really talented tight end group. Um, if he utilizes that position group, like I think they will and, and should, honestly, I think that can be a big uh, advantage for Southern Miss, and I think they can utilize that to their advantage in developing um, tie Key, so I've seen it, you know. Um, I've seen flashes where he's a redshirt freshman, too, and I think that's honest, So, um, but from what I've seen in practice, when he gets the time and he gets the protection, you know, he's got an all-world arm, and um, he's been a quarterback ever since the kid was probably five years old in Taylorsville, Mississippi. So the situation won't be too big for you. Um, I just think he needs a little needs a little protection and then I think he can help his, his big guys up front by, by getting that ball out of his hand a little bit a little bit faster.
0: We're talking about quarterbacks. I think this is an appropriate time. Austin Davis gonna be joining you in the booth as the color analyst there on the ESPN plus broadcast. Jason, what does he kind of see out of keys at that quarterback position, and then I'll ask kind of what he sees out of Hugh Freeze and what they do offensively, if y'all have had a chance to talk on those.
2: Yeah,
4: we have. Um, We've attended uh, probably a handful of practices together. Um, Obviously, AD looks at that quarterback position with uh, pretty good glasses. Uh, When you've been coaching Russell Wilson in the NFL and uh, a 10-year quarterback vet in the NFL, Austin's uh, depth and knowledge of the quarterback uh, position far out feeds any, anything that I can certainly bring to the table and he sees the development of Tykes we've talked he and I have talked a lot about the intangibles of Tykes away from the field um, you can clearly see that growth that has occurred he is vocal a little more vocal Tykes is a reserved young man um, you know very quiet but you can see his Ability to communicate with his teammates coming out in him. You know, and, and that's physical. And Austin and I have, have talked about the growth and in, in being able to communicate to those receivers. This is what I was thinking. While it may not pay a dividend in a ball game, maybe it does in two weeks from now or three weeks from now. And so that's where Austin and I have really stayed. And, um, you know, we both kind of look at it as, you know, this tie this keys opportunity is. Really an open book because, you know, he played in three games plus one series. But if he played one series, or you play one snap, it's considered a game by college football standards. So he played in four games and, of course, got hurt in Rice and um, got redshirted a year ago. So he's still very much an open book. It'll be his
0: fifth collegiate game to play in um, when he goes up against Liberty on Saturday night. And then when you look at the other side, when you look at Liberty and the genius that really Hugh Freeze is offensively, I don't think that's even up for debate anymore at this point. But both um, Coach Hall and, and and his way that he really likes to study and look at offenses and Austin Davis, I mean, they've got to be kind of drooling over what Liberty does at times offensively. They're a fun group, I would think, uh, to prepare for if you're an offensive mind.
4: Yeah, Charlie Brewer um, really echoed that he wanted to play in an RPO scheme uh, on on big significance on why Charlie Brewer chose Liberty out of the transfer portal. Um, I would tell you, I think if push came to shove and you really pinned Charlie Brewer down on deep down inside why I would think Hugh Freeze is that reason, Clay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy that has a proven list of, of guys that he's developed and worked in the college game and system. And, you know, I mean, he had a third-round draft pick a year ago And Malik Willis. Um, he has got a deep quarterback room. Jonathan Bennett is going to be the backup on Saturday night behind Charlie Brewer if Brewer were to get hurt. Uh, Bennett is a guy who's a leader and been a journeyman within their program. it has been there a while, and you can hear in those quarterbacks' words when, when we get a chance to speak with them just what Hugh Free brings to the table. And, uh, you know, that's that's got to be if you're a fan of the black and gold attended on Saturday night, that's probably the little pit that's deep down in your stomach of understanding what we're up against in terms of Offensive philosophy and execution—that's that's where Hugh Freeze hangs his hat, and he sort of is one of these hands-off head coaches from the defensive end. And um, you know, he, he he doesn't concern himself
2: with that end. He trusts those assistants, and he goes and handles his offense. And you know,
4: a lot of the times, this, this guy's been highly successful with that kind of pattern.
0: Flipping back to the Southern Miss side, uh, Baker, when you look at. Frank Gore Jr.'s leadership, and then I guess the two guy, the backup guy, if you will, at that tailback spot, the transfer from Mississippi State. Uh, Dean, what do you like and what you've seen from Frank Gore Jr. through the offseason and then uh, the transfer coming in from Mississippi State? Yeah, Frank Gore Jr. is is who he's going to be. Frank Gore Jr., that book is is open and read. He he
4: is is as elusive, can make the first man miss. Um, Can really hurt you in space. Very versatile. Um, You know, his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield is probably one of those underwritten um, keys to the game that I'm going to watch to see how much they utilize Frank in the early passing game to sort of get tight keys in a rhythm. And the guys behind you they have got quite the stable this year, unlike what it was a year ago where it was really Frank Gore Jr. and Dejan Richard, and that was it. This year, the development with Jannari Dean out of the transfer portal, out of Mississippi State, he's a South Panola kid out of Batesville, Mississippi. I think um, he has the potential, and, and a lot of this will hinder upon the workload that he's given but to me, he has the potential to be like a, a newcomer of the year type kid in the Sun Belt. Uh, he's, he is diverse. He's got a body that, that looks the part that could take on the heavy workload of a college game. And I think he's going to be a great sort of complement to Frank Gore, where Frank Gore is that shiftiness, try to make you miss Janari Dean's going to be a stiff arm and a bounce-out and try to hit a seam, uh, but he's got some power to him. Um, I think Frank outweighs but I, I would tell you that Janari's probably a little more muscular. Then I like Dajon Richard. I think he, he's going to fill in nicely. and Then they have a freshman running back out of Union, Mississippi, named Kenyon Clay, and he is going to be the dude. and um, Big, thick, powerful Um, I don't know the plans yet from Will Hall in terms of how much we'll get to see Clay. I suspect you will see him in some red zone packages, but that's just my opinion. That's not anything that I've necessarily seen uh, firsthand yet um, as he's just sort of taking reps through camp. So that's that's sort of
0: where the the scope of the, the Southern Miss backfield is to this point. When you look at Brownlee out wide, he's kind of like Frank Gore Jr. I, I think Southern Miss fans uh, kind of know what they're going to get from him. I'm interested just because it's kind of close to home here, the kid that transferred up from Pearl River Community College and Jones. How has he shown himself um, during fall camp? He was an actual, absolute like freak-type athlete at PRCC. How has he looked in the black and gold?
4: He's looked good. He, he's been in quite the uh, position battle with Brandon Hayes. Um, Clay, I will tell you that uh, I think Brandon Hayes is one of the better stories coming out of camp um, in his development and
0: maturation. And, uh, you know, Brandon Hayes is the guy that you and I covered his dad in hmm.
5: Curtis
2: Hayes.
0: When you uh, said stiff arm grade. a minute ago, that's the, look, ironically right. enough, that's the first stiff arm I kind of thought of. Was Curtis's stiff that's, arm, so that's funny.
4: That's, no doubt. Absolutely. And Brandon's got big playability. Latrell Jones and him will both be in in battle rotation. I don't know how you want to – whatever you want to deem it as. Um, that's sort of what you're going to see on that other outside position. But uh, they call him Frogs. Latrell um, will be a guy that uh, can get up and jump and – he was Ty Keyes' uh, wide receiver in high school. So that should be somewhat noted that he and Ty already had that relationship and that connection. And sometimes I think those sort of hidden relationships uh, get a little undermined, and, uh, I, you know, it, it's wise to remind yourself of those connections at times because for Ty Keys, there's a comfort level, right, that we've talked about, and I think you'll have that in Latrell. And it should be noted that he shows that he has it in Brandon Hayes as well.
0: Yeah, you think some 2A defensive coordinators across the state remember that connection? <laughs>
4: Absolutely. Good yeah, I, could,
0: gracious.
4: I could imagine.
0: That doesn't even sound fair, does it?
4: No, not at all. Not at all. Boy, they were... No, I mean, Ty Gies was as decorated of as of a high school quarterback in the state of Mississippi probably in the last 20 years, maybe further. You know, I mean, that, that that's what... That's, that's why I think you know will Hall understands the potential that's in Tykes arm and body and mental makeup that's you know there's something to be said for that and and I you know he's got to show it he's got to do it on the field and I and that's fair you know I, I think that's a fair expectation fans are going to say well you're gonna have to do it but I think in due time um, you know Tykes can show us that and and, and
0: if he does, Southernness is going to be something to handle. When you look at the prep and, and trying to kind of dig in to a program, uh, Jason Baker, is there a better head coach that you could have on a college level, on a university level, than what you have there in Coach Hall and having the ability to, to call these home games for ESPN Plus? You know, the few interactions I've had, with Coach Hall have certainly been great, everything you see. But uh, you're spending more time uh, with him. And just kind of speak to the listeners on on what kind of dude he is and, and the way that you've been treated and prepping for these games. Oh, man, he's special. Um,
4: yeah, Clay, man, that, that almost gets me a little bit emotional to try to answer that question on just how special he's been to me because – you know anytime there's a change in head coaches, and Jay Hobson and I were more friends and friendly, and uh, I was welcome to any practice I ever wanted to go to. But you often worry, man, I can remember when will Hall was was being considered for the job and having a conversation. I didn't know he really, uh, you know, I've heard of him, and I remember covering him when he was in the junior college system as a player. My freshman year at Pearl River Community College was his sophomore year at Northwest Community College and, um, but I didn't know much about him. And, uh, I can remember Jay Beach, uh, Poplarville head coach who had quite a bit of interaction with Will over the years. And, um, actually had some conversations regarding the wing T because we'll all have some wing T packages. And Jay Beach has told me what, what kind of, you know, great duty is and what a good football coach and man, he's been everything with that and more, um, He's just become a dear friend, um, a guy that, you know, every practice that I attend, he we, we have a conversation. He comes over, makes it a point. And I don't have any expectation of that. He, he's got a job to do, and so do I. And so um, for him to just take a little moment out of his morning each morning whenever I go to practice is so cool. And um, my youngest son and his youngest son have really become friends. We've done some hunting together, and uh, yes, yeah, it's special. He's, he gets it. He's a Mississippi dude. I think that's important at Southern Miss Clay. Um, just from the scale of recruiting today, you know, I don't think Southern Miss needs to be flying out to Oregon to try to find a wide receiver. Uh, personally, I think they drive past six going to get on the airplane <laughs> that they could get yeah. in Mississippi. So, um, we'll all understand that there's, there's talent here. There's, Ole Miss and State can't sign them all. Um, they're too busy flying out to Oregon and too busy flying out to California to go get players, and rightfully so. It's, it's, um, you know, their recruiting has brought them to that point. But uh, for Southern Miss, he gets it. And so I don't know, um, maybe outside of Tim Hatton, I don't know that I've ever wanted one of my head coaches that I've covered on a personal level to win as much as I have Outside of Tim Hatton, J. Beach, than what I'm pulling for um, in Will Hall right now. You know, and the hard part is I have to stay unbiased, and and I'm asked to do that, and tasked to do that on Saturday night when calling these games. Um, I'm not there just for Southern Miss, but you know, deep down inside, um, people know that you know I'm I'm paid and employed by Southern Miss to do this, and um, you know, I, I really have a vested interest in wanting. Will Hall to have some success and I truly, truly, truly believe um, in time. I don't I don't know that it'll come this year, it might, but in in time, he's going to make this program back what it was and what people understood it to be back in the late nineties and then even into the early two thousands and into the Fedora time and Monkin's time, people know Southern Miss. Hugh Freeze, go go look up his comments about this program and the respect that he has this week in, in what he's coming to do. I mean, he, he, he'll he tell you, and he's already put it on record in his press conferences. It's not some coach jargon of we're going to play a really good team. I mean, he's told you this is a tradition-rich program that has put player
2: after player in the NFL and um, has had vested interest in winning and knows how to win um, I don't think Southern Miss is too far away from getting back to that level. Um, I certainly
4: hope for Will Hall's sake and for this staff's sake, um, it happens sooner rather than later. But I just believe it's coming. I just, I, I wish I could pinpoint a time. And um, for, for Southern Miss fans, I wish I could do that for them. Um, but unfortunately, I don't know when. The Sun Belt's going to be treacherous, and we'll we'll see how they navigate through it this
2: season.
0: I'll get you out of here on this. Like you mentioned Jay Beach, the head coach at uh, Popperville High School here in the great state of Mississippi. And, and you call those games on Friday night for Popperville, the voice of the Hornets there. And, and, and Jay's been so good to you and I both in a Popperville program to this podcast in uh, particular. I'll, I'll hit you on this. You know, that's your job on, on Friday night's Let's look at the Popperville Hornets briefly. Um, What do you expect out of them this season? They're 0-1, lost to a very good, picking 5A club to start the year. But what are your kind of expectations as you follow that program? You know, Clay, it's
4: kind of unique. I thought about this this morning as I was driving into my office. Hopperville went 0-1 in week one, and I think I like them better now after week one than I did going into week one. And um, I hope people will understand what I mean by that, that I had pretty high expectations for them coming into into the season, and I think my expectations are even higher. Um, I think the defense really, really talented. Um, You know, Dante Dowdell is a problem there for 50 units. Honestly, so is Chris Davis, and I think they made them earn each carry. I think, you know, the physicality of that defense um, really showed, and Picayune had to to grind away and um, really dig deep. And, you know, one could argue maybe there's not a program in the state of Mississippi that digs deeper than the Picayune Maroon tie when their backs are against the wall. But as far as Poplarville's concerned, look, I I think they're – they're really, really talented. I think um, they've got a new change in scheme that I really love. It's going to make it hard on defenses, and I think there's some still some expectations of the Wing team will will show itself. And so our opponents still, in the back of their mind, have to wonder at what point will they see that and how will they see that and, and how much, what percentage. And so, yeah, I, you know, Friday night was was a tough loss, and it's tough because who who picked Is a county rival. It's tough because it's the first game, um, and then it felt like you know up up until Brady Robertson hit the uh, pass to Josiah Conte, you know, uh, it was a fourteen nothing game, and you know if you got a stop out of the halftime locker room, which we've seen Jacob Baycock and his defense do time and time again be driving at the lead in half and I, I just think the big blow was thrown right before the half with no time remaining and um, that made the game feel out of reach from my view and from my perspective and so I'm not any less impressed with Poplar than I was coming into the season and so I, I truly believe they're, they're just as advertised and hopefully over the next few weeks of non-conference play they'll, they'll prove that to be the case and then they'll get themselves ready to, to make a run through District 7-4-A and, and hopefully regain something that they've had for, for quite a while, which is the district title, which currently belongs uh, in the hands of the Columbia Wildcats.
0: That's right. And the ultimate goal, JB, ironically enough, is to have you talking about Popperville football right there in Iraq that first weekend in December. Am I right? Yeah, that's, that's the goal, right? I've, I've had the ability to –
4: to call a couple of those alongside you and Jeff Lawset down on the field, and uh, it'd be really neat for me to get an opportunity to call Poplar Bill football from from a booth that I've, I've called it from in, in years past, and that'd be a neat treat. That would certainly that's that's the goal, that's the prize, play. That's that's what they work hard every day for is um, to to assume themselves back into that role and. Um, you know, literally inches away a year ago on that special Friday night after Thanksgiving in Columbia, Mississippi, and you know, hope, hopefully we can knock that barrier back down and, and get ourselves right back into that position and play for a, a state championship. And that's that's sort of the culture and environment and expectations that's been created in Poplarville, Mississippi, and that says all you need to know
0: about uh, the program. JP and his staff have built. Absolutely. JB, have a good call both on Friday night and Saturday night. Have a good one, JB. We always appreciate your time and your friendship, my man.
4: My man, Clay, appreciate you. Thank you for having me on the Talking Ball Y'all podcast.
0: His goal. To win
4: state. Our goal. To keep him in bounds. Huddle up, guys. 54, X, Y, go. On two. Ready? Break. While he makes the play, we help make a difference in his life. Because as a man of integrity... He is certain to keep in bounds. Join FCA as we strive to put the heart and soul in sports by impacting the world for Jesus Christ. To learn more, contact us at FCA.org. That's FCA.org.
0: We're delighted now to be joined by Justin Pygat. We'll get to a minute in a minute um, while he's joining the show. But Justin, welcome to the podcast.
5: Thanks. Honored to be
0: here. Justin, let's look at your journey, man. And, of course, we record out of Pearl River County, so I'll start your former Maroon Tide and then Mississippi State uh, Bulldog standout on the diamond. But um, let's start there and in your high school and, and college years and how your faith has kind of been intertwined with sports and how that's led to the position you're in today.
5: Yeah, man, going back to the Picayune days, uh, so fun. I was around such great coaches and um, really great baseball program. Really helped me, um, challenged me. Good gosh, I felt we always so challenged and competition wise. Um, I was such a newbie in my faith then. I think uh, a lot of it then was my parents' faith. Um, it was something that I was definitely growing in and figuring out who I was, and um, and we you know while being at Pickyune, and I think. Um, yeah, just the, the challenges that you face when you're trying to find your place on the team and contribute and just be a good teammate. And then how do you, how do you respond when stuff doesn't go your way? I mean, I had so many emotions that used to come in. I remember oh, I remember one time pitching against West Jones and getting knocked out or not pitching the way I wanted to pitch. and I'm like getting emotional and dug out like a baby, you know? And I'm like, come on, dude, hold it together. And we ended up winning that game and moving on to the series and everything. But I just I had a lot of fear of failure and things that I had to work out myself and um, it had to be worked out in me and and just navigating all that. I'm just, I'm thankful for great parents um, that were just so present with me and loved me and my mom who's now with the Lord Mm. um, and my dad just being, being at everything. So that was huge. That was huge. I think uh, the, the Christian community environment wasn't really there for me outside of my church. But um, it was still, uh, God, just such formidable, formidable years. And I'm just, again, thankful for the coaches um, that I had in my life and the, the teachers in picking you.
0: Justin, I think this would be a good time to kind of, if you would, tell our listeners what your new role is here uh, for Mississippi State. And then I want to go back to uh, those high school uh, years once, once you tell our listeners what you're doing there on campus.
5: Yeah, so starting back again with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, just took a year off, and um, now I'm, I'm the campus director at Mississippi State. So the place that invested so much into me um, had the opportunity to come back and invest back into it. So <clears throat> this is a dream. I uh, did not know this would be happening at all. Completely a God thing. Just And, um, yeah, just really glad to be back at this school um, and be back into investing in these relationships. There's so many people that are still here. As well so yeah it's a it's definitely a dream come true
0: justin some of the things i remember of course about your high school days were your uh, pinpoint control on the mound but something that stands out even more than that is when i would pass you uh hours that i probably shouldn't have been coming back from wherever i was coming back from or leaving to go to and you would be <laughs> wearing out the boulevard here in town and so this is the cat not not to speak to the baseball but some of those moments when you're kind of finding yourself in, in that jog and it, you could almost see like you working through some things inside of those uh laps or miles that you were working back here on the boulevard and pick you
5: oh the boulevard yeah <laughs> um you know I, we just had such a competitive culture we and we kind of we were good like we had there was so many great players and uh, great leadership and i think um I, I knew I had to find a way to get some sort of advantage because it wasn't going to be my size and it wasn't going to be based on velocity. And so I had running for me allowed me to be able to repeat something over and over again in a game. And um, it gave me the best stamina to, to do that. And, so, um, and it helped flush the stuff out of my arm, all that lactic acid. So that boulevard, yes. And I, there were probably some visualizations going on of batters that I would face and moments in the game as I'm out there running. Um, there was a lot of that in my head. And then just probably working through my own stuff of being a high schooler. Good gosh, you know, we all got mm-hmm. all that going on. Uh, but yes, uh, the Boulevard is a sweet memory uh, for me. Every time I drive past it to go home, or um, it is uh, it's special.
0: And what is it, Justin, about a locker room setting that can be um, so special in a lot of ways? You share so many special memories and so many bonds that uh, you, you speak to there. And then in some ways can can turn, I hate to use the word toxic, but you have so much peer, peer pressure and so many other things that uh, can make a young person especially act out a little out of character. I, look, we cover high school football on Friday nights and a lot of high school athletics. And if you want to hear a potty mouth, look, get around a 16 or 17 <laughs> year old around his or her teammates. So faith inside of holding and, and maintaining your witness in, in some of these settings. How tough is that, uh, Justin? And what do y'all speak to kind of in your role at Mississippi State about that?
5: Yeah. Oh man. Um, it was really challenging getting up here to, to Starkville um, and being in the environment here. But I mean, I even go back to, to picking you and I think it was special because we had all played together for so long and that's a big benefit that doesn't happen much anymore. Um, with the little league set up and all the travel ball, but we were all able to play a lot together and, uh, and we had good parents. I think for the most part, we had solid family situations. So as hard things would come and they would challenge us at practice, we had a, we could call each other higher and push through it. And, um, and we still support each other through it because it was really hard, but we also had good parents, I think, speaking into us. Um, for the most part, I think we all had pretty good leadership at home and, um, so that helps a ton. Nowadays, it's harder to come by, you know? Um, and that's a whole other factor of, of coaches having to wear different roles. Coach Kirkland did such a good job managing us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, coaches nowadays have to be how uh, they got to be four or five different roles. They got to be dad for a lot of kids, they've mm-hmm. got to be the counselor, um, they've got to be the mentor. Oh, yeah, and they got to coach the sport, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of things on coaches and but it can turn south quickly uh no doubt um and winning can winning can cover things but it doesn't mean what's on the inside is really going well i think uh yeah winning is tricky um because <laughs> and i think that's there's so many foundational pieces of just like really learning to honor and respect each other and um you know working together working hard together um, that's really really important that has to be built on a team and uh, otherwise, when the crap hits the fan, I mean, it's everybody for themselves. And uh, that's what you don't want to see. And that's where coaches uh, really got to invest in.
0: And so how do what y'all do there, Justin, on campus and Fellowship of Christian Athlete in general? How, do, how does it help to be uh, a backup or a special place where athletes, student athletes, um, can go and, and recharge yeah. that battery, so to speak?
2: yeah you know
5: even we do a huddle once a week and and the big thing about that when we talk about the huddle is we want them to, to to have a place of rest and have a place to have fun and uh the fun part you know it's it's hard to have fun sometimes when you're when you're constantly getting pressured from your sport um it depends on the coaching situation too what kind of environment the coach is creating in your team um in your locker room but i think uh we want it to be a place to have some fun and then to have some rest and uh and i think um get away to talk about, to put your stuff down, just leave it at the door and, uh, and then encounter the real thing. Like these two students nowadays, uh, they're amazing. This generation gets thrown under the bus a whole lot. Um, but I tell you what, they desire the real thing. They can Mm. see through your fakeness in a heartbeat. Um, and it doesn't matter what kind of authority position you have. If you're fake, they'll know it. Uh, and, uh, and they're not going to fight for you and uh, they want the real thing. And so, we as leaders of this ministry, we want to give them the real thing. And if that's the case, we got to pursue it, the real thing. And uh, so, it comes from a flow of just Jesus in our hearts. So, and then there's some great student leaders that are just pouring into their teammates. And um, so, yeah, really just trying to help, like, for one, just being great teammates. That's a big start, right? Hmm. And then, um, and then helping them wherever they are in their relationship with the Lord or in faith in their faith journey. So we're just here. We, we are all about ministry of presence. And that's why I'm hiring more staff now so we can be at practice and just be there. Um, because everybody needs somebody to talk to. And they need, some, they need to know somebody's around, especially this generation. Um, the relationships matter more than ever right now. Blind obedience does not happen anymore on the sports field. People need to know that you care about them before they listen to you. And it's changed recruiting. It's changed everything. So um, I love this generation. Some people don't, don't – uh, Don't understand them, but they are going to change the world. They
0: really are. Justin, when you look at this generation and when you talk about being present, so much is made of like how we do life now with social media and those um, Mm. distractions and maybe real shallow relationships. Right. I mean, the first thing we did was like, man, it's been too long to catch up. And I feel like I've kind of caught up with you in that shallow, shallow, uh, real thin layer of knowing what's been going on in your life. But those type of relationships can lead to um, some dark places and, and some real almost depression type situations when you look out and you have thousands of friends or followers, but really nobody that's pouring into your life, right?
5: Oh, gosh, yeah. I you know I try to go back to my time, and I know it's changed. Facebook, when I was here, Facebook started, and that's like the only thing that I know. I don't even mess with the other ones, um, and I am i don't even really mess with Facebook, but it wasn't even there, and so what I had here, though, and I know it's really important, is I had circles of friend groups mm-hmm. um, that really helped me. I had a church group that was outside of my sport that loved me outside of baseball. I had FCA, and that was huge, too, but then I also had my baseball community. So I had three different groups, so when When baseball struggled, I had so much of a safety net in our community and like a village to support me. And so what I think social media is, it's a fake circle. I mean, it really is. You think you're secure. You think you're okay. And then, man, you make one bad play, and next thing you know, it gets plastered over everything. And then suddenly you go, what am I now? Hmm. And um, that's what we're really trying to communicate with these student-athletes. If it's a church family, awesome. get you a group of friends that love you. And get around that we hope fca is a safe place for that Um, they're constantly being evaluated for their performance and that has nothing to do with the gospel of jesus christ period performance goes out the window jesus performed it for us and so i mean if there is revelation in their life for that truth god just produces so much freedom and they can become who they're truly meant to me and not live in this comparison cycle of of social media that's just so insecure and very destructive
0: yeah, it's like the enemy can use it in so many, so many ways, Justin. When you've talked about your parents already on multiple uh, answers here, which I, I knew you would probably do. Um, you spoke uh, about Miss Di. It was such a sweet, sweet um, person in our community and a, a mother um, to you in your role, Justin. When you're when your faith, I'm not going to use the word tested, but when you walk through something and then you get on the other side and are able to kind of speak to st- student athletes or in general on the other side of that. What a beautiful thing to have uh, that, that peace of mind of where your mother is and then to be able to share that testimony with others.
5: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think we got to get real about trials that come, you know, I think sometimes uh, we've been told or whatever we think we learn, we think God is the one that puts those things in into place. Um, and, uh, and so we, it, it's silly because we think, well, um, well, Jesus casted out the storm that, that God must have gave the storm. Like, no, God didn't cast out a storm. That, uh, or Jesus didn't cast out a storm that his father sent. Like, mm. that doesn't work. That's a divided kingdom. And so what it is is, like, stuff just is going to come because of the world that we're in. And I love James 1. It's very clear about, like, take joy in the trials that come. Because here's the deal. You prayed for the things that are coming. That mm. Like, if you want fruit in your life, stuff's going to happen for that fruit to be produced. You've got to go through the fire of it. And so that's why James is saying, hey, take joy in it. Because there's been prayers that you prayed like, God, do this in me. I want to experience you in this way. I know all these students are praying these things. I want to be free of this. And then when the trials come, it tests that. And on the other side of it, there's breakthrough. There's freedom. And um, and so that's another thing we're talking about with them now. Like they're going to come. And it's because God wants you to get where you're praying. And he wants those things to come to pass in your life. So, man, let's let's go into them. This is a part of it. And um, But we can't do it alone. And uh, we have to know that our Lord is present. Like Jesus is present and there's a way out as James talks about too. There's always a way out and that's where we want to be. Where's Jesus in the moment and where's the way out that I need to go and then trust the fruit that is produced when you overcome and you walk through that with him. And, um, anyway, I'm turning this into a devotional thought, (laughs) but it's like, but it's, it's, it's great. Like it's not something that we need to be fearful of. And, um, and we can walk in it with joy and that's a crazy thought that james brings up
0: but we can we can so powerful stuff all right justin we'll go back to the sports side and not that they don't play uh certainly our lives or that uh, that whole picture right but i want to mm-hmm. get uh, a memory that comes to mind when you think we've already talked about pick you in baseball but uh uh like one or two great memories you have from uh Picayune team that won a state championship in your time there and then also uh for the Mississippi State Bulldogs some one or two top memories from your playing days from both
5: mm, one of the best is when Cody hit the walk off mm. home run against Terry yeah um, that was a year obviously his mom passed mm. or no not um, not mom Jill sister yeah your kill passed yeah, yeah. yeah and um oh goodness we were all a wreck after that. (laughs) And, um, and then he did it against van. I believe van Pope. So, um, which
0: one's a miracle. And then another miracle in itself, right? Yeah,
5: that, that was the one I think we all knew, like, we're going to beat whoever we play after that. Um, and then, uh, Oh, Mississippi state guy. This one's going to bring in my mom, but it was a Florida state super regional. We're playing Buster Posey's team. Hmm. And, um, and ended up shutting those guys out that first game. Uh, it was me and Aaron Weatherford. I threw seven. Aaron threw two, and um, I was throwing mid eighties. Aaron was throwing mid nineties. So, when for him to come in after me it was darn near impossible for them to hit. Uh, but shutting them out was a pretty awesome moment. But, and we ended up winning that series and going to have super regional and then went to Omaha, which was pretty awesome. Uh, but that at the end of that regional. Um, I got announced as the MVP of the regional. That never once came into my mind. And it happened and I I just lost it. Well, I really lost it when I went to my mom. Mm. Um, And she just looked at me, I looked at her and I just cried on my mom's shoulder. Mm. And A lot of things came back to me that day of just how much she had given to me. Like my dad too. But my mom would go out and hit ground balls to me. Mm. She hit fly balls to me in the yard as a kid. Um, She even coached me early on. My dad had to do things at work. Like there's just it was all of that kind of came into one of like I can't believe this happened for one and oh I'm so thankful for you mom
0: hmm. for doing
1: what
5: you did and being so present uh for me and growing up. So those are the two there are many. Um but those would be probably the, the two two memories.
0: Wow. Good stuff Justin man I can't thank you enough for joining us. Um I hope to do this more often man I love to get together uh, maybe once every three or four months and kind of let's see what this journey has in store for you. There's a reason I guess you're back to, I'm going to call it your second home up north. I'm <laughs> not going to give it its first place, but let's get together and give the listeners kind of an update of uh, what, what God's doing with you there in Starkville.
2: love to. we love to. Anytime.
0: Thank you, Justin. All
2: right. Thanks, Clay.